This morning, uh, we're going to be considering a a few different passages of Scripture. Uh, So if you'll open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter uh, 2, we'll take a a look in chapter 10 first, um, but chapter 2 will be our framework for this morning together. Uh, A couple weeks from now, we're going to be starting a series on the churches and what the Spirit would say to the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. I encourage you guys to spend some time reading in that. Next week, we're going to consider vision for our church family here for the next year or whatever the Lord would have. We're calling it Vision 2020. Uh, And I'm very excited to share with you guys next week just some of the things that the Lord may have for us. We want to be about His business. It's easy to get caught up in our stuff, but it really is good to discern and seek the Lord. What is He asking? What is He wanting of us? And I'll give you a little snapshot what I've really been praying for each one of us. And we prayed this this morning uh, before service as we gather together for uh, group prayer. is just personal revival in our hearts. Is so needed today because we can have so much going on. We can be about good things and stuff. But if we're not enjoying Jesus, if there's not a personal revival going on within us, we're really missing his heart and his desire because he cares for each and every one of you. He cares about every single person upon this planet. Okay, And we need to live in that reality of what God is wanting to do. So I'm very excited to share with you guys next week on that. But This morning, uh, we're going to consider Christ's coming. He came for the reason of dying. Uh, We don't like to think about that around Christmas time, but that is the reality of why the babe was born. So Father in heaven, we do give thanks for this time that you give us every week to gather together, Lord, to learn of you, to open your word. We want to be teachable. I know these guys don't really want to hear from some guy named Landon. We want to hear from a king named Jesus this morning. So would you speak to us, Father? Give us ears to hear. And we give thanks to you that you are good, that you are Savior, that you came into this world to die. What love. And we thank you for that. Amen? Amen. So on the very first Christmas, earth was obviously about its business, oblivious to what was going on. The heavens knew. They looked forward to it. The angels were in awe of what was about to take place. Praise was going forth. Worship. Adoration for the birth of a child. But not just any child. It was Christ the Lord who was born. The angel told Joseph... For he shall save his people from their sins. And this came as no surprise to Jesus Christ. He knew that he was born to die. So let's take a look here in Hebrews chapter 10 together. I want to pick it up in verse 5 with you this morning. It says, Therefore, when he, speaking of Jesus here, came into the world... And isn't that awesome that God came into our world? Think about how many religious people out there of faith who believe in God, but he's just out there somewhere. He doesn't really deal in the affairs of man. Many people, religious people, believe that. But we as Christians, we believe the word of God. 
And the word of God foretold that he would come. And then we read the Gospels, and sure enough, he did it. He came to his own, so he came into the world. He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. Guys, the book you hold in your hand. You know what it's about? From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. Isn't that so cool? We can get caught up in so many things, but it's all about Jesus. That's why we love this book. That's why we take it serious. That's why we study it. That's why we love passages like this in Hebrews chapter 10. It's all about you, Jesus. It's written of you. In what? To do your will, O oh God. A little side note, I've often wondered as Jesus grew and he learned to read and he began to study the scriptures. And back then they only had the Old Testament, right? And he would read the prophets. As Pastor David shared this morning, what did he do when he read Micah? Oh, but he had a big grin on his face. Yeah, I've come. This is me. It's talking about me. Did he have to learn those things or did he just know them? Okay, we know the understanding in the theology around the kenosis that he emptied himself, still fully God, but he humbled himself and became like us. I think he learned. I think the Spirit was definitely testifying to all these things as he read himself. But don't we read him as a young man, 12 years old, reasoning with the priests, the rabbis of the day there in the synagogue? Yeah, pretty cool, right? Questioning, answering things. But how cool that must have been for him to read through the Old Testament in the volume of the book. Wow, this is about, it's about me. Wow, it's about me again. It's about me? This is so, you know, <laughs> and we know he's not self-centered. You know, it was, anyways. It's just a cool thought to think about. But the important issue this morning as we consider Christmas, it's not so much about Jesus coming. That's what we want to make it about. I mean, you can look outside around the corner, there's a cute little nativity scene with a little baby Jesus in a manger. And that's what we want to make it all about. That's what we sing about. But that's not why he came, guys. He came to die. And there's no salvation in his birth. If he was just born, that would not save one of us. Nor did his sinless way in which he lived life in of itself be redemptive work for us to find salvation. His example, his flawless as it was, it could not rescue you or me or any man from their sins. Even his teachings. Wow! The greatest truths ever shared upon this planet in and of themselves cannot save anyone. You see, there was a price that had to be paid for our sins. We're all very familiar with the Romans road. And one of those scriptures we pull is chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. You see, and only Jesus could pay that price. Only Jesus could pay that price. Jesus came to earth and he did many things. He came to reveal God to mankind, to teach truth, to fulfill the law, 
to offer his kingdom, to show us how to live, to bring peace, to reveal God's love to us. But his ultimate purpose in coming to earth is that he might die. Here's the side of Christmas story I don't think is often told. Those tiny hands, those tiny feet of the babe that was in that manger were formed so that one day nails might be driven through them on that rough cross that stood on Calvary. That warm and soft little body that was wrapped in swaddling clothes would one day be ripped off with a spear. Jesus was born to die. The shadow of the cross was there from the very beginning. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2 with me. I think as we consider this passage of Scripture that we'll pick up in verse 9, I think this is the best Christmas passage in all of Scripture. It says we see Jesus. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? It's Him. We see Him. Who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Then again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I. And the children whom God has given me. And inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, He's able to aid those who are tempted. So he became a substitute. Look at verse 9 again. Catch what it's telling us. We see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. So it was a suffering death 
Too often it's neglected or passed over because he was God. He was God, but he suffered on Calvary for you. He took our place on Calvary and he suffered agony, okay? And executing pain of the cross for you. And he did it voluntarily. Did you guys catch that? That's what the scripture says when it says Christ died for our sins. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Death was not God's plan for mankind in the beginning. It was a part of the curse. It was a result of the curse. Adam and Eve had not disobeyed. They'd still be hanging here on earth. Things would probably wouldn't be so cold outside. <laughs> it was perfect. Thanks, Adam. Um, anyways, Adam disobeyed God and he introduced sin into the world and then death as a result came to the human race. All of us are under sin. We see that in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And we read the prophet Ezekiel. He says, the soul that sins, it shall die. It's just the way God rolls. And think about it with me for a second, guys. Sin inevitably brings death. We know that. And there is no reason for death except sin. Jesus chose to die as a substitute for us, bearing our sin. The perfect one was the one who was punished. Turn to, keep your finger there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Too good not to share. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. But I think it encompasses this idea very well. I want to pick it up in verse 12 because it talks about that reconciliation, the work of Christ. But we're going to just start in verse 1 because it talks about the resurrection and it's just a really good chapter. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we know that it is our earthly house, this tent is destroyed. And we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with the habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because of the, that we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that morality may be swallowed up in life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who is also, he's also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Does your Spirit testify with his Spirit? Are you able to call him dad? Are you in a relationship with him? I sure am. I am so thankful he's my Savior. Okay? Anyways, going on. So, we are all confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body and absent from the Lord, for by faith, okay, we walk by faith, not by sight, we are confident, yes, and well-pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known by God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in the appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. It's because we love him, guys. That's why we keep his commandments. That's why we live for him. That's why we share him. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he who died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, guys, isn't this a good chapter? Are you guys enjoying this? I love this chapter. Anyways, verse 16, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. What is your ministry, brothers and sisters? Reconciliation. Isn't that cool? Nothing better. Anyways, it goes on to tell us in verse 9, that, that is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then check out the last verse of this chapter, verse 21, the great switcheroo here. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. What? God took my place? My sins? My cruddy life? He died in my place? And I get his perfect life? For real? That's awesome. I want to share this with other people. That's 2 Corinthians 5, guys. That's what we get to do. That's what we're ambassadors of. God came to reconcile the world. He wasn't born in a manger so we can have a holiday and spend money on one another. Okay? <laughs> he came to save us. And when he saves us, guys, we get to be about his business. We're born again of the Spirit. We're now part of his family, and we're part of the family business. And that is preaching Christ to the day we die, guys. Amen? All right. You guys can also like 2 Corinthians 5. I'm, I'm totally cool with sharing. So, <laughs> you're welcome. Do you guys see we benefit from the grace of God? We benefit big time. 
We certainly didn't deserve Jesus' intervention. Jesus didn't come because we asked him to come. When he showed up, more people actually tell him to get out of there. Leave us. We don't want you here. So he willingly chose to be our substitute there on Calvary. I want to share with you guys John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Listen carefully. Therefore, my father loves me. This is Jesus speaking. The father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. And because of it, he's able to sanctify his people. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 2 together. Look at verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Guys, he solved a great theological dilemma. Do you guys understand how huge this is? How could a holy God, holy, holy other, holy, set apart, how could he show us mercy? How could he reveal his grace to us? How can he communicate that to a sinful people? It could only be done through Jesus Christ, guys. Aren't his ways way better than ours? He had to come. It's the only way. You see, sin demands death. If God accepted us as we are and ignored our sin, his holiness would be tainted. Does that make sense to you guys? Who he is would get messed up. So on the cross, Jesus satisfied both the demands of God's mercy and his justice. So sanctify means to make one holy or to separate. That's what sanctification means. On my Bible pack here, I got two scriptures. One of them is John 17, 17. This is a scripture I've held to for almost 20 years. Sanctify them in truth. My word is is truth brother and sister how are they going to hear without a preacher how are they set free unless the gospel is preached we need to know his word we need to get it right that we can give it right to this world they need to hear it you're here this morning you're hearing it but most of our family and friends where are they today they're not even going to take a moment to consider anything that God has said. We've been given that privilege and the privilege to share that. So God is doing this work of sanctification. Okay? And that does not mean that we're sinless. Great, God's sanctifying me. I'm perfect. Have any of you guys arrived yet? Okay, good. I've actually met some brothers and sisters that have told me literally they haven't sinned in years. I'm like, you are a liar. Let's open up to 1 John together. You know? It's one of those things. 
but we should be growing. We should be more set apart. Guys, you should be closer to Jesus today than the day you first believed. Okay? There's an ongoing, he's going to complete a work until the day we die, guys. And then that work is completed. I can't wait for that day. Man, think about that, guys. We are going to be glorified like Jesus. Okay? I have a big problem. We're told to confess our sins to one another. I got this brain that is very sinful. I, I wish when I was born again of the Spirit of God that God would not just change my heart, but he'd say, hey, son, your brain that's had all this really messed up thinking, sin influence, evil, wicked thoughts, I'm just going to take that and throw it away and give you a completely brand new brain. Well, that didn't happen, guys. I still have the old brain. But you know what's been happening? My mind's been being renewed. The Spirit of the living God is challenging my thinking. Is this a good time, Landon, to be selfish? Or maybe this is a good opportunity to honor me, to glorify me. You get to serve right now. You get to get over yourself, and you get to love right now. And I'm so thankful that sanctification is taking place in my mind. But let me tell you what, it's not perfect. I'm still selfish, guys. God is working, and that's sanctification. But let me tell you what, the day we are glorified with him, all that junk is going to be gone. We're just going to be able to love perfectly. Isn't that going to be so cool? Don't you guys have that desire? I pray that. I'm like, every man, woman, and child I come in contact with, I just want to love them well. I want to value them. I want to care for them. But I'm so judgmental. I look at people, I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, My selfishness is in there. I'm busy. I don't have time right now to strike up a conversation and you know we're just so self-centered anyways i'm totally off track the point is guys aren't you thankful that the holy spirit is at work in our lives and that he loves us too much to allow us to be what we were you know god is good and he will lead us into life really joy things that matter that's his working so christ since christ paid for all of our sins every one of them if you're here this morning and you think you're too bad, you've done something too wrong, too evil, too wicked, too sinful to be forgiven, guess what? Your view of God is very small. My God, the God of the Bible, very big, can forgive any sin. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, our sins, present, past, future, he paid for them all. You guys reading the same thing? I'm not making this up. You guys seeing it in his word? Okay, good. So he can deal then with us when we're still sinful. Think about that because he paid the price. He took care of the sin problem. So based on the work of Christ on our behalf, he declares us holy and without blame. And I'm going to roll with what God says. You're saying I'm holy because I don't feel like it a lot, but that's what you say. I'm going to believe you, God. I've put my faith in your word. You say that I'm saved. You say that I'm born again, that I'm forgiven. My sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to believe you. So, this sanctification cannot be marred or destroyed. Flip back to chapter 10 with me again. Just one more verse from this chapter look at verse 14 with me this time 
This is one scripture I hope you guys have underlined in your Bibles. It tells us in verse 14 of chapter 10 of Hebrews, For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. One offering. He was that offering. Perfect sacrifice. Once and for all, it is done. And through it, guys, we are being sanctified. Now that brings us to another reality. Let's go back to chapter 2. He conquered Satan. Aren't you guys glad? But why does he still mess with me then, Pastor? Let's take a look here at verse 14 together in chapter 2. Inasmuch then, as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is, the devil. So one of the main reasons of Christ's incarnation was to overcome the enemy. Okay, He came to fight. So the first prophecy ever given was predict, predicted about him. The Messiah would come and he would stomp the serpent's head. Speaking of Satan. Okay, So now in the New Testament we see the fulfillment of that prophecy. Satan's great power is death. You guys understand that? It is death. If he can keep a person enslaved in their sin until they die, he has them forever. Why do you think the world is so illogical? Ridiculously, willingly to accept nonsense. Honestly. I don't get it. Unless there really is a demonic power out there who is blinding people to the truth. We're teaching our children, literally, look out the windows across the street. Nothing blew up. There is no God. That's what we're teaching our kids. We have the courts of our land today saying we are not allowed to acknowledge God any longer. You are not allowed to pray. What? We're not allowed to pray? I thought that's what our forefathers wanted for this country. And we're not allowed... Satan's working overtime in these last days, guys. He knows the hour is getting close and he's trying to take down as many people with him as possible. He's deceiving so many and so many are blindly following those who are deceived. So the deceived are getting more deceived. That's what's going on. That's why we need to share the word of God. That's why we need to know the word of God because when you know the truth, the truth sets you free, guys that we don't have to think stupid. Nothing blew up. I mean, think how logical that is. Nothing. How is that even possible? Okay? But that's how stupid we're willing to get. And it's all because of Satan. But what has God done? What has Jesus done? Well, guys, he conquered the enemy. His weapon had to be destroyed that's how it was going to happen. That's what he did. Exactly what happened when Jesus arose on the third day. Death is conquered. <laughs> Sin, it couldn't hold me. You're powerless. Your weapon's gone. 
Jesus said, because I live, you shall also live, John 14, 19. He did it, guys. So we can say, along with the apostle Paul, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? 1 Corinthians 15, 55. I love that. So he beat Satan. He's also become our high priest. Check out verse 17 and 18 here in Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and a faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He also is able to aid those who are tempted. So the high priest is our mediator between God and man. It is Jesus. How many of us pray in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Right? We see, we know that he is our mediator. So every high priest, guys, in Israel was a type of some, you know, what the great high priest would, you know, would do, okay? Jesus was the perfect high priest. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus became the perfect mediator because he was both man and God. Can't find a better mediator. So if you're praying to Mary, knock it off. One, the Bible tells us not to. Okay? And secondly, the Bible makes it clear in 1 Timothy 2, 5, there's only one mediator between God and man, and it's the man, Christ Jesus. All right? Are we going to believe his word? I sure do. I'd rather go right to him than hope I'm praying to some dead person to speak on my behalf to God. That's just ridiculous. We get to go straight to him. That's why he died. I think his heart is grieved when he sees people like, oh, I died a painful death. Okay? Broke down these walls of separation. You can come to me now boldly as you are. And you're going to go talk to a dead person. <laughs> what are you doing? Anyways, he is sympathetic high priest. And we're so thankful for that. So wrapping this up, I'd like us to note one passage from chapter 4. Turn there. I want to note verse 15 here. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Guys, he was made like us in all things, and yet without sin. Jesus Christ came into the world to become a high priest. Chapter 7, verse 15, and ever lives to make intercession for us. He understands our temptations, our weaknesses. He went through those things as well, being a man just like you and I, yet without sin. So when we come to him, he understands. I think so many today, it's just like, oh, I know God's holy. And I know how jacked up I am. I can't come to him. I can't, I don't even want to talk, even though I did it, I don't even want to talk to him about it. Man, God loves you guys. As you are, and he understands. That's why we can come boldly. God, I messed up again, Dad. I need help. 
I need forgiveness. Please. I love when my kids come to me broken. I love it. I mean, I don't like seeing them cry and be broken. But as a dad, I love that I can comfort them, that I can tell them everything's going to be okay, that I'm there for them. And how much more our perfect Heavenly Father has a perfect heart in that way towards us. So as we conclude this thought this morning, don't you guys think this is a cool passage of Scripture in light of Christmas? I know it's often overlooked, but this is why he came, guys. So if you have opportunity to share a Scripture during Christmas with some family, (laughs) remember Hebrews chapter 2. But during this time of year, let's look beyond the tender manger scene that we're all so acquainted with and really see Jesus being born to die. It's one thing I love about this picture. And here we have a little trough with the crosses in the background. And that's what we really should see when we consider the nativity scene. Here's Jesus born. Why? It's about the cross, guys. It's about him laying down his life. And isn't that what we preach? Jesus Christ and him crucified. He died for you. He bore our sins. He purchased our salvation with his own blood. He sanctifies all who believe in him. He has destroyed our enemy. He's our great high priest. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior today? Do you know him? Do you realize that it was his death and not his birth that has brought about the redemption of man? Will Christ be the center of Christmas for you this year? It's our holiday, guys. Redeem it. But it's pagan. It's Christmas. It's about Jesus. Let's keep it that way. When was Jesus born? Really don't know. Don't really care a whole lot. What I do care about is that he died for me. And that he has died for the sins of this world. And that is the hope. He came to die. And because he died, we can live. And brothers and sisters, that's what we get to share. That's what this life is about. I know it's easy to get caught up in a whole lot of things in this life. Isn't life all about my career? About my family? About my ministry? No, it's about Jesus, guys. He's the Savior of this world. He is to be adored every day of the year. So I encourage you guys this Christmas, it's going to take work. We live in a, a culture that's wanting Christmas to be a whole lot of other things than what it's meant to be. We need to fight to keep our eyes on Jesus, even in a Christian holiday. Amen? Amen.